You're listening to episode 11 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story and the stories of many, many widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. So if you're a widow, welcome, and I hope my sharing will help you better understand what you're feeling. If you are family or friend of a widow, it's fabulous that you care enough to be here to learn more about what your widow is going through. Others have told me they know widows as friends or family, so know what widows feel, but that's not necessarily so. A widow will rarely tell you exactly what she's feeling. It's too raw. It's too painful. A widow will even shield you from her pain to protect you, especially if you're family. This is why I do this podcast. I expose all my own vulnerabilities, which is not easy to do, but I do it because I hope it helps other widows begin to open up the same way, especially with each other. That way we can all learn from each other and support each other and know that we're not some kind of freak for the feelings we're having. So welcome Today is going to be a bit of a ramble through a few subjects that I've wanted to share about. The first one is, I decided one morning, early on um, into widowhood, because becoming a widow can be a, a financial upheaval for many of us. And I was concerned about finances, but I was even more concerned about how I was thinking about it and how I was feeling about it. So I decided I was going to do a little visualization time to see what would I be doing if I suddenly had millions of dollars? How would I act? How would I feel? My intent was to create the, some energy out there in the universe for some good cash flow into my life and also to make sure that I was in a mindset that was not a poverty mindset. Okay, I wanted a mindset of abundance because I have always firmly understood that our thoughts can affect the very reality around us. So I settled in to get good and comfortable to do this fun little visualization because it's fun to fantasize a little bit every time you buy a lottery ticket. The, probably the most fun of having that lottery ticket is to have it and to think about, ooh, if it wins, if it wins, what would I do? What would it be like? So I began visualizing having millions and I was traveling. I was driving across the country. I was going to see America. And then in my visualization, I started to stop off to see various people that I've known throughout my life. A lot of them people I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And I was thanking them for the part that they played in my life. Some I was just forgiving some I was both forgiving and thanking. I was seeing family members, 
former employees. I was even seeing Jim's friend out in California to thank him for being a friend to Jim. Um, because I began to understand that he must have, my husband was probably a pretty neglected kid and his friends were so important to him. As I was doing this meditation and just going, driving country, you know, state to state and stopping to see people and, and thanking them for the role they played in my life, I opened my eyes and I started laughing because it was such an unexpected turn in my visualization. It started out being all about money and all about how I was going to feel being a millionaire. And it turned into traveling the planet to go find all these people to thank and to express gratitude to and then I had a realization. I realized that was my deepest desire and that I didn't need to be a millionaire to do that. Certainly, I couldn't get in my car and just start driving all through the country to go find everybody. But I could write out a few cards. I'll, you know, I thought, I'll just have to try that visualization um, some other time to create cash because this turned into something so much bigger. And so I sat down with a pile of thank you cards. And that very day I began, began writing cards to, even to people I hadn't seen in decades to thank them for whatever role they played in my life. And because they played a part in who I've turned out to be. And I had a list of, Oh gosh, I think over 20 people just as starters that I wanted to be in touch with. There were many, many more, but I had no way of knowing where they were. Some of them I had no way of knowing if they were even still alive. <laughs> Some of them I was sure probably were not because it had been so many years ago when I was a kid maybe and they were an adult. In my soul... As I wrote those cards out, it felt really big and powerful to do. And it felt like it was just moving mountains inside of me. There are a few on the list that were tough. They were really tough because I needed to forgive them. And I didn't want it to sound condescending. Um, but I wanted to forgive them and also to thank them because there was a lot to be grateful there for there as well. So it's an interesting exercise and it's something I recommend everybody do. Even if you don't take the action of actually mailing out little note cards to people to thank them, but to sit down and think about it, maybe even start writing a list of all the people who have had some kind of influence in your life, good or bad. You can even just mentally thank each one, feel gratitude for the role they played in your life. And if you hold any grudges, let them go. Because grudges don't really affect the person <laughs> that you have the grudge against one way or the other. They generally don't even know that you have a grudge. But, but what the grudge affects is you and your feelings. 
So it's a good time to just clean that up. We feel so raw after losing our spouse to begin with. There's so many raw nerves, just feels like it's hanging out all over you, doesn't it? But this exercise, what a pleasure to do. And I really felt like a million dollars doing it. That's for sure. So that was a really up day. And not all the days are up days. I know you get that if you're a widow. And I had one of my clients coin this wonderful term to me. She said that the past week she had gotten the emotional flu so that she just laid around in her pajamas all day and watched TV. <laughs> and it so resonated, the term emotional flu. I've had days where I didn't feel like I did much that day. Um, I had days where I felt like I didn't do much, but I was exhausted at the end of the day. And there is true emotional exhaustion when you're going through grief because of all the emotions that are up and down and the emotions that you're keeping tucked inside to protect other people from, it is exhausting. And you may feel like you're getting tired a little too easily and you're not liking that. You could even question your own physical health because of the feeling of exhaustion that you're hitting every day. Um, it's the emotional flu. It's the emotional flu. And there will be days when probably the best thing you can do for yourself is to curl up in a blanket on the sofa, binge watch something, read books, treat yourself just like you were down with the flu. Because if you don't take the time to experience that and give yourself some downtime, hey, you will get the flu or a cold or something worse. Your body will eventually have its resistance so low that you will pick up something. So allow yourself that time. Through the early days too, I also <laughs> discovered that I went through a period where things in my house were leaking. Really? leaking, all these little leaks. And I had always believed and Jim believed that we create symbolism in our life. And oftentimes, especially when it's something repetitive, it has meaning. It has meaning. We, I would, we would see these occurrences and we would play with it in our minds saying, what does it mean that this kind of thing keeps happening? And this is kind of what the leaks were for me. And I was desperately trying to figure them out because I didn't want anything else to start leaking. The first, I think, was um, the first big one was my hot water heater. Uh, there was shortly after I became widowed, I noticed that my hot water was had suddenly become lukewarm. And so I went to the basement and there I saw this big puddle around my hot water heater. And my heart just dropped, you know, along with worrying about finances and dealing with things like the Social Security Administration and Jim's Retirement Fund and all of those practical things that we have to address. 
here my hot water heater had gone down and I had to get the plumber out to bring me a new hot water heater and replace it, uh, which was, is always, um, so disruptive for me. I, I really get sick inside when I have to have work done in the house. How many of you feel that way? It's just the disruption of having somebody ripping apart something in your house to repair it. But um, I love my plumber and he brought me a new hot water heater and got that installed. I was noticing other small leaks. I was taking care of some small leaks in the household. And then the next big one was some weeks later, after winter had finally broke, wasn't quite into spring yet, but I noticed that under Jim's car in the driveway, there was a puddle under the passenger side of the car leaking off into the grass. And I thought, I've seen that before, but I always assumed through winter with snow and puddles on the ground and you come home and, and, you know, the car is dripping anyway up underneath because of the wet that you've driven through. But this was on a day when things had really kind of dried out and I had taken the car to the store and came home and unloaded groceries. And then that's when I looked out the window and noticed this leak. And, you know, I saw it a couple more times and realized, dang, it's the radiator and took the car in. And sure enough, I had to replace the radiator in his car. So there was another major leak and I kept struggling to figure out, okay, Jim, what's the symbolism of having leaks? I think I better figure it out before I have a pipe break in a wall. <laughs> what is the symbolism of all this leaking? And it took me a long time. I didn't immediately get it. Um, I did eventually get it. I've always had um, stomach issues, digestive issues, and my doctor has never pinpointed anything definitive, although he's recommended different medications to treat it. I came across... Uh, information on leaky gut syndrome, which isn't even necessarily recognized by all the doctors out there. There's no definitive studies for leaky gut syndrome, but there sure is a whole bunch of sub substantial uh, subjective information out there of people who have dealt with this and been able to heal leaky gut. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, there's my leak. And I began taking steps, both dietary and taking supplements to help heal the leaky gut. And to my surprise, almost immediately on doing that, I really had a turnaround in my digestive system and my stomach feeling so much better. So I think that though it was an expensive way for the universe to show me what was going on with my stomach, that that's what all the leaks were about. I think it's also something that a lot of widows experience, and I don't know what it is that causes that. Maybe it just seems more um, pronounced to us because we're dealing with it on our own instead of having our spouse there. But so often, right after becoming widowed, things start going wrong. Things start going wrong with the house, with the cars, with snowblowers, whatever. 
you can almost count on having you know three things break i think i heard another widow say that to me three things will break shortly after becoming widowed so it's a challenge to deal with that and you get through it and you can even think about what does it mean maybe it means nothing maybe it just means that three things broke and now you have to find a way to deal with that on your own maybe you would have been the one to deal with it anyway but still somehow it feels more difficult because you're on your own and you don't have somebody else there to bounce ideas off of suggestions off of to even say you know I, I need to call the plumber we've got to replace the hot water heater and this was still at the time that I was trying to go through things here at the house go through papers I needed to go through still trying to clear out some of Jim's things I think I've talked before on the podcast about finally distracting myself from having to clear out Jim's things by organizing and tidying up my own things. I was having a little trouble tossing stuff, um, so I downloaded an audiobook of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And this was before uh, there was so much out there in the press about this book and so much talk about this book. But I downloaded it and started listening. And instead of addressing what I needed to clear out of Jim's things, I began going through my own things. The book is about tossing 90% of what you own so that your space is livable. Now, I don't know that I got rid of 90%, but... I got a lot cleared out, a lot let go. Before I married Jim 23 years ago, um, I left California and moved to New York. And when I left California, I had to let go of boatloads of things because I could not fill up a U-Haul and drive it across country. I couldn't hire a moving company, I basically got on an airplane with a suitcase. But in short order, when we were down in the city, I acquired lots of stuff. And when I bought my house upstate, again, I let go of a boatload of stuff that I got rid of down in the city. Um, both times were a chance to let go of things that I didn't even think about letting go of. And it was always kind of soul searing to have to just do that, that huge letting go of stuff. Um, now that I've been in my house for well over a decade, it became really hard to let things go. And I think it's because of the two times that I've kind of let go of everything that it made me want to hang on to things here. So it was good to pare things down and, um, boy, enter Marie Kondo into my life. And I began just going through piles and piles of things. I, the first thing I did, I think, was my pajama drawer because I thought that would be easy to go through all my pajamas. And I pulled all my pajamas out of the drawer and I went and got all the pajamas I had stored away for the opposite season and dumped them all out. 
went through, only kept the ones I really loved and folded them like Marie Kondo says to fold them, got them all lined up in the drawer. It looked beautiful. I was in love with my pajama drawer. And it made me feel like the way I would feel when I would go on vacation. We would go up to Rockport in Massachusetts and uh, just take a small case and we would be up there for a week. And it would be wonderful. And I remember I would think when I was up there on vacation, this is how my closet should be at home. Just a few pieces to wear daily. I don't miss the other stuff at all. It's no big decision on how what I'm dressing in for the day because there isn't all that other stuff. And so that's kind of how it felt to go through my things. Um, after my pajama drawer, I went through books, which we had books in every room of this house. Both Jim and I are avid readers. And he would hang on to books even more so than I do. Um so going through the books was quite a challenge. And as I was going through things, I think I wrote to a friend saying, you know, I think I could clothe a small country. It's really embarrassing. Um, but it was a distraction, but it was a good distraction. It gave me a focus every day. I knew what the next category of item that I was going to clear out was, and I would start rounding up every single thing. If I was going through every pair of slacks I had, I would be dumping them all out onto the dining room table. My dining room was an ongoing disaster area for quite some time as I went through this process. Um, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Even though there were times um, it was frustrating because I have always kind of struggled with weight my whole life, which is one of the reasons that I became, well, one of the things that led me to becoming a life coach and a weight loss coach uh, was I wanted to coach other people on weight loss when I finally began to resolve what the real issue is behind overeating. I wanted to share that right away. But as I was going through all my clothes in this house, I was having to sort things out into piles. And I would have a pile for size 10, a pile for size 12, a pile for size 14, a pile for size 16, and a pile for size 18. Seriously, all in a decade's time. I had clothes of all those different sizes. That's how much I had dieted my weight up and down. It was scandalous. And um, because I had all those sizes, that's why I had so many clothes crammed into the house. That's why I could clothe a small country. <laughs> because this body of mine, this test lab for dieting, uh, went through all those sizes and back and forth a couple times through them. And I think by the time I got through clearing it all, I sat down and felt like, okay, now I need ice cream. <laughs> but let's work through that thought. So you may find as you address the things of your loved one that you need to go through and begin clearing out and letting go. And even if you don't go through their personal items, it almost becomes immediately necessary to start going through all the paperwork in the house to get a handle on that. Um, it's not a bad distraction to just start purging and reorganizing your own things. 
it'll make you feel a little more accomplished and it will give you energy back to be able to maybe tackle that next pile of papers. Because I found going through the piles of papers and the finances really emotionally exhausting. It was the emotional flu going through the papers. But I would get recharged going through my own stuff and seeing my closet becoming more organized and my drawers becoming more organized. That was energizing. So it was a good balance. Finally, I reached a time in the spring that I thought I want to drive down to the mall in Connecticut. It's a bit of a drive from here, and it's something I had thought about doing in the past, but Jim would always get very anxious about my going down there. He wouldn't go want to go with me. I mean, he would have hated walking through a mall shopping. Uh, but he would be very anxious for me to make that kind of a drive. So I just never went down to the big mall in Connecticut after we had moved upstate New York. But I realized finally that, oh gosh, I could go ahead and do this if I have the guts to do it all on my own. But I have nobody being anxious about it, nobody I need to arrange this with. I can just get up tomorrow morning, get in my car and go. So I got good driving directions to get all the way down there. And I had um, an audio book on tape to listen to. And I jumped in my car and I drove down the thruway over into Connecticut to go to the, the big mall there. And there it was, this glowing beacon of consumerism. It had really great stores. It had Lord & Taylor and Pottery Barn and Tivana. Um, I know for most malls, those are the usual fare, but I had not been in a real mall in a, in a long time, in a long time. And it was really, it was a big, big mall. It was very, very noisy. And I discovered, because I hadn't been in a very big mall in quite some time, that every store now pumps some fragrance out in front of their store. What is that? <laughs> I think someone told me it started with um, one of the stores, one of the younger clothing stores, making, you know, having a smell that when you walked by it, there would be this enticing perfume coming out of the store. But now every store has caught on to this. So it was like an assault on the senses with all the noise and a different smell every 20 feet. It really became overwhelming. Um, I didn't make it to all the stores I wanted to. I did get to some great stores. I think just about the time that I was ready to just be on sensory overload, I came across a Tivana store, which was wonderful to walk into because it was quiet. It was not crowded and it smelled like tea. <laughs> I was just like, oh, can I just take my shoes off and sit here for a while? Um, so I, I did tea tasting in Tivana, and I bought a little bit of tea. Pretty expensive for tea, but it, it was pretty wonderful. Um, I had a great time. It was a feeling of freedom. I think more freedom than I had ever felt to just jump in my car, not even have to tell anyone or check in with anyone, and drive down to that mall. I discovered there was a Trader Joe's nearby, 
and uh, I was excited because I hadn't had a Trader Joe's nearby since I was down in the city. And being a California girl originally, uh, I always shopped Trader Joe's for my groceries. So I went down a throughway exit and I got to shop at Trader Joe's. Um, absolutely mobbed again in that place. It was really the first good week weekend on the sp- spring. It was the first good day of spring where the roads had really dried out that people could get out and go to these places and I think that's why it was so overwhelmingly crowded uh, because everybody kind of crawled out of their winter cave here if you don't live in the northeast you you may not quite understand that you spend a few months to three months where it's really cold really snowy and um, you hibernate (laughs) you just hibernate And I remember when I was in Trader Joe's, the woman ahead of me at the checkout was complaining to the staff about the narrowness of the aisles and how you couldn't even move through the store. It was just outrageous, yada, yada, yada. And when I got up to the checkout, I said, I can't believe she was complaining. I haven't been to a Trader Joe's in over a decade, and I'm just really happy to be here. And uh, the little gal that was bagging in her Hawaiian shirt ran over and gave me a hug. (laughs) So I even got a hug on my outing. It was great. I came home with enough food to last for a month um, <laughs> after shopping Trader Joe's. It was delicious, delicious to go on that adventure all by myself. And it, it I almost felt guilty for feeling so good about it. And this entire trip came back to me. Because I was coaching a a client of mine who is a widow. And I mentioned to her that one of the delicious things I discovered about living alone was that I could do what I like without having to plan or arrange it with someone else. And that being widowed means that we get a chance to get in touch with what it's like to be just ourselves, to live alone. Um, for me, it was the first time in my life, really, that I had lived alone. I went from my parents' house to my first husband and from my first husband to my second husband. And I never really lived on my own at any point until n- now. Um, and she was the same way. She had not lived on her own until her husband passed away at the beginning of this year. So it's a new experience to learn how to just be with ourselves. And it's an experience of learning to love yourself, to enjoy your own company. And she relayed to me that she was so relieved to hear me say that because she was wondering if she was just callous, so callous because she would sometimes it kind of felt good to come home to an empty house and not have to cook dinner if she didn't feel like it and to be able to come and go as she pleases. And she really thought, oh, I must be so unfeeling. This is so callous of me to to kind of enjoy that a little. Guilt can resurface for us in so many forms. And this is certainly one of them. You know, there are not many silver linings to being widowed. There may not be any silver linings to being widowed, but for this one, we get to learn how to be with ourselves. 
and we become independent and we can have things just as we please without the constant compromise of living with another person. And sure, there's times when, yes, you even miss the constant compromise of living with another person. You do, you miss them. But there is a new kind of freedom as well. And that is nothing to feel guilty for. It's just part of your personal growth as a human being, as you adjust to this new normal that is your life. As you move through this mourning for the person that you've lost, you also begin to discover more about yourself. And that's just so invaluable. So if you come home and just feel like, oh, I can just drop all my stuff in the middle of the floor and go sit down and not even have to think twice about it. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. It's a part of enjoying living with you, which is okay to enjoy. So thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with other widows. Share this podcast with your family if you're a widow, with friends. Spread the word. I would love to hear your feedback, comments, questions. Leave me a review on iTunes. I really appreciate those of you who have taken the time to go back into iTunes and search and click on ratings and reviews to leave a new review for me. And I love reading them. If you would like me to share your story or just one of your stories, you can email me and I would love to share stories from others here on the podcast. Email me at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. Now, go find some joy in your life. Find some joy in being independent on your own. Until next time.